gentlemen and welcome to another episode of bobcast with you as always is bob live in the lounge staring at the ouija board tonight i'm welcoming an author of the book good grief and the distance i was put on to him by last week's guest coincidentally mr defranco who's also celebrating his birthday today what up defrank hmno but um, anytime a writer wants to come into the lounge or talk shop, we're going to welcome him. So uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Nick Gregorio. Oh, hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Bob. So, of course, I mean, I'm going to leave it. So like these books right here, I mean, the cover right here, it's drawing my attention immediately. The feel of it, you know what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, when you open up the book, even the font too, nice selection of the font. That I had nothing to do with. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you could, though? Oh, Sure. Well, they actually, you know I mean? Maudlin House gave me, um, they asked me what I thought the cover of Good Grief should be. Oh, so they did give you that option? For just the cover. Okay. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and the ashtray with the, the cigarette smoking in it with the Ninja Turtles mask was my concept, but I wanted it to be like a photograph. Mm-hmm. And I even went so far as to go on ebay and find one of those old michelangelo ninja turtle masks with the little plastic nose yep i remember yeah. um and i mailed it to them in chicago oh, <laughs> and they wow. ended up getting the artwork done as opposed to taking a photo so <laughs> i was 20 bucks not well spent <laughs> when's the last time you saw the original teenage mutant ninja turtles with Corey feldman voicing michelangelo oh man uh did you see it in theaters I don't think I. I think I was too young for theaters for the first one, but mm-hmm. I saw the second in theaters. What did you think of the second? I mean, if I recall, that wasn't the the most critically acclaimed of all of them. <laughs> was it Vanilla Ice in it? Yeah, that was the Vanilla Ice. Go one Ninja, and... go Ninja, go <laughs> Ninja, go. You know what I thought about that one was you know when Shredder, whether he drank the ooze or something and became Super Shredder. Like, yes. how did his armor also grow? <laughs> yeah, that, I always thought that too. Like, and it was just like. His then something happened too to his face. His face changed too. Yeah, as well. he got like a whole new helmet. Ah, uh, I don't get it. I like the first one though. The first one was great. First one was dark. And then yeah, and then they rushed the sequel, and that's like oh, you yeah. know, it was just like oh yeah, I loved it though <laughs> as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like Toga and and Razar. Same. I had all. I, I remember Ooh. like not being able to get all of the Ninja Turtles. Like all the dot. Like I couldn't get. What was the most covenant one? It was Michelangelo, actually. Yeah. I had yeah. Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello, no problem. Yeah. Michael, and then when you would see it, like in a playground oh, pit, yeah. somebody else had it, you'd be like, that's it. <laughs> and like you would be so, you know. In kindergarten, I remember this vividly. We had like a like a kitty auction for bizarre things, school supplies, oh, that's cool. action figures. And one of them was like the movie version of Raphael. And he was my favorite. So we had to. So you always wanted to have some size. Yeah, and okay. like he was miserable, Sorry. which is sort of like me. <laughs> but he not not miserable per se, but sarcastic at times and angry well. and towards Splinter. Yeah, like yeah, he, he'd always sure. be the one that. Yeah, that yeah. is true. He was like the Malcolm. It was such a wise show for kids to watch. Really, you know, <laughs> these sure. like think about the concept. You know, turtles get messed up by nuclear material and become Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, like, too, like, because uh, I'm an avid comic book uh, collector, you yeah. know, since I was four. And I do remember those Eastman and Laird, uh, <laughs> like, comics at the bottom of the shelf. And I could have had, like, one through seven when I was a oh, kid. Man. But I just didn't buy them because I only had enough money to buy the book that I bought since I was four. Which Hulk. book was that? Hulk. Hulk. I was introduced to the Hulk at four years old and then read them until I was, like, 11, 12. And then, you know, lost touch. Then got back. There's been terrible versions. There's a version now I, I very much like where Bruce Banner is using the Hulk to take down like uh, corrupt organizations that are trying to. You're uh, talking about the Immortal Hulk? Yes, you read it. That's my favorite book. Oh, right now. dude, welcome to the <laughs> it's incredible. I've never been able to talk to anybody about it, dude. Isn't it's a it horror amazing? book, man. It's scary. The it's beginning, gross. The beginning it's... was terrifying. Oh my so, god. So, like for Hulk people out there, the, the long legacy of the Hulk. 
you know, with all like the, I guess the legacies of like even a little bit of Bixby, like the cartoon, everything's in it. I feel like yeah. even the legacy of like the Marvel canon and stuff. But when I first saw uh, Doc Sampson come back to oh. to life, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, dude. He, he They're doing some deep dives in that book. They're mm-hmm. just dredging up everything. And like they're leaning into the, the multiple personality yeah. disorder bit. That would be my, okay. So like, I have I've never been able to actually talk about this, but I'm not a fan of the Ruffalo version of the Hulk. No, and not, like I enjoy it when I watch it. Sure. But to me, it's always going to be this hodgepodge of Norton and Ruffalo. But sure. Ruffalo to me is too Ruffalo. He's, you know? Yeah, I mean he's he's Ruffalo. He's Ruffalo. It's There's not no way Bruce to... and Bruce in the books. And no disrespect to you know Ruffalo, but he's just the exact opposite of that. Bruce Banner is like this helpless, brilliant man. Yeah who is at battle with demons like about his dad and that's what the immortal hulk is about is yep. about his dad's abuse of bruce as a kid as it relates to like to with his mother and stuff and just all yep. that shit and then when the hawk and the gray hawk and then the savage hawk used to meet on the astral planes of existence in bruce's mind yeah when i would read that shit as a kid i would be like oh my god can you imagine <laughs> seeing that one day hopefully in doctor strange or something like that well, you know they what? I think with uh, Ang Lee's Hulk in two thousand three, yeah. which which dealt with that, you know, it those did, demons, but it was so it was so bad, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I recently re. It's not even really like a movie. It's like no. uh, it's he's really trying to make it into a comic, which is right. so crazy, right? And well, while you can say like that was a bad choice, it was at the very least a choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, it he, very he, much was. He stuck with a thing. And it D- didn't, didn't work. Didn't he do Brokeback Mountain just before that and then went right into the Hulk? Yeah, I think so. I he, think so. Man, it's just so crazy, that film, too. Because, I mean, they did try to do it, but then I just recently was talking to somebody about... Okay, so they went to talk Star Wars about uh, I Have Spoken. And I was like, hey, yeah. do you remember when he was the bomb... Or uh, he was... He was like the Zacks mixed with the Astonishing Man, you know? Like, the, <laughs> like they mixed everything in the one villain. Yeah, and it was... You know what I'm talking about with head Zach's, scratching, right? When Jim... Head scratching. Yeah, you know? dude. It look, was just uh, really bad. And then the end of the movie, you need a flashlight to see. Because <laughs> it's like at this lake and you're just yeah. like going through there. It was terrible. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they were thinking. But... Universal was like, this is how we start a franchise. <laughs> you know what else was puzzling? Because we went like, Eric when, when... turn into the Hulk. When he got more angry, he was, you know, he would get stronger. But in mm-hmm. Ang Lee's version, he just got to the size of King Kong. He, yes, he did, and he grew. What are we no, doing? He, he grew as like the more angry here he got. That's like what they, and that's never been the case. I remember no. this one time, in the I, th- I was in the theater actually, and uh, it was the first time I saw the Hulk's head come out from the, the bottom of the floor, and his eye got all big for a second, <laughs> and I was like, "What is this shit, man?" It's <laughs> really weird. But I did like when Talbot got blown to bits, and he flies towards the yes, screen. Yes, that's and, my like, favorite. They, they pulled out of the, like, the whole movie just ends and begins there. <laughs> But uh, I was so upset when uh, Disney Plus came out because I went to show my son, like, uh, the Incredible Hulk 1982 cartoon series, which is just, it's great. Like, all the versions of the Hulk in film, including the current MCU, my main gripes is Bruce isn't Bruce without Rick Jones. Right. You can't have a Hulk without Rick Jones. Those who don't know, Rick Jones, he's playing his harmonica. He's probably smoking a pipe. He's driving through this desert, and somehow he gets onto this gamma... Like a test field, and he's like, ah, this looks like a good spot. I'll just park my car here by this ditch. Bruce comes running out. Bruce says, no, 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 get out of here. And, like, by the way, like, they didn't stop him. They knew what was going to (laughs) happen. They sure did. Then he gets out there. And for some reason, Rick gets tossed over this said ledge, which protects him from all the gamma radiation, (laughs) you know? And we're led to believe, you know, my it's a true story. When I was a kid, my grandmom's house had this like little slate ledge type thing. <laughs> I used to force my friends off the ledges, Rick Jones. So you could save and, them from the gamma radiation. No, no. And then I would just like pretend I got hit with the gamma. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, the current version, like now that they've gone to Professor Hawk in this way. Yeah. There's just no other place you can go besides besides like maybe Immortal or you can't do that with Disney, but Savage. Mm. But see, you can do Immortal in a PG thirteen movie. I think you could. Yeah, yeah. Like you way. can you can really play down the the gore and still make it very compelling and scary. But I don't think they're going to do that at all. But the best thing about the book 
and correct me if I'm wrong, is that at one point as a writer, did you feel that the the, the more issues that went up, the more it dealt with the central theme of, you know, this plane of, uh, you know, um, battle between his dad and hell and stuff. Did you think that they'd ever be able to so brilliantly switch into act two with this current, like, Hulk? <laughs> like, what do you call it? It's like Hulk... Uh, what is he, he? He just like wreaks havoc by going after these corporate corporations. Uh, the Devil just, Hulk, it's, it's the best. Um, and then like Betty is this bird Hulk monster. Yeah. It's great. I don't know. I, Al Ewing is doing an incredible job on that book, and every time I think, "Wow, it's gonna end," it doesn't, yeah, and it just it, expands. It twists. Yep. Yeah, and the uh, Al's the the I think it was issue twenty five. Where it takes place when the world has uh, been broken by the Hulk, that and it's in this different language. That's the spaciest yeah. comic I've read. In that a was long really time. spacey. It was wild. I think the last one I read that was spacey like that was when Grant Morrison did this uh, multiversity thing, where the character's yeah. pointing at you, and it's like this, like uh, you got to be in on the joke type thing to read it. You got to be in on the joke. I love for that all stuff, stuff, though. I love reading <laughs> shit like that, man. I love still being inspired by comics. Oh, they're. they're... My number one love. Do you watch uh, Watchmen? I haven't watched Watchmen uh, yet. Are you a fan of the original graphic novel? Um, Yeah, I've taught it, actually. Oh, I, that's cool. I taught a graphic novel writing course at Chestnut Hill College once. and oh, I would love to take times. that class. It was you still fun. Do it. Uh, you don't do it no more. Well, that was the one time that it got enough people <laughs> enrolled to it's, run it's it. So crazy writing. when he, when he If you think about what it takes for a human being such as Alan Moore to write dr manhattan's dialogue like that the way he goes in and out of past present and yeah. future is just so cool yeah but the tv show i gotta tell you is i've heard nothing today but they just dropped things. it they were like it's going viral because of what just happened in episode really? seven yeah like so now people are like talking i think it's you know it's just hype sure it's should i read at work <laughs> collider.com yeah, i have a job to, uh... i'll write for you i'll podcast for you <laughs> but um immortal I hope it continues, man, because I picked up all the other iterations of it, and I was yeah. like, uh, like the Hulk was working for Shield for a bit. I was that like, that wasn't uh. good. And Mark Wade is typically good. Um, um, Mark Wade was doing it, and I got the artist to sign one of my, number one, Lennel Yu. Yeah, the he's guy, great. The art was awesome. Oh yeah, it's the worst when the art's amazing and the story's like. Well, you know, it was cool. It was a cool idea. You know, like like Banner decided to use hulk and just point him in the right direction yeah and it was the first time he had like confidence in himself yeah yeah, but total confidence there's there's not a lot of places that can go while it's still compelling and it's true yeah you know and then i was trying to read batman for like i'm a, a huge batman fan right mm-hmm. and uh i tried picking up this current version when it first came out and i was just like i this is like i the just king got stuff? the tom king stuff yeah i was out I was out. You were out too? I was out after three issues. Exactly, dude. Yeah. When they introduced this Gotham dude. Yep, I was out. And Gotham girl. Really hated it. And do you follow now what goes on in the series or what he's done now? And since we've dropped out in 86 issues, he's managed to, spoiler alert, kill Alfred. Yep. Um, and Thomas Wayne, his dad from the Flashpoint series, which I loved. That three issue should have stayed mini. over there. Oh, that book, when they introduced Martha Wayne as the Joker, was incredible. One of the best. Oh, my God. That's definitely my top 10, along with, even though he is critically, or I guess, like, he's right now in Hollywood jail. Max Landis wrote this Superman book with the yeah. Joker on the roof. Did you ever read that? No. Oh, my God. You got to pick that up. What book? What was the title? It's Superman something. I had, I'm drawing a blank here, and my assistant's out for the night. um but it's a great one if you just type in max landis superman it's 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 a great book i feel bad for the guy you know he fucked up big time yeah he he did he really did um and And he's he's nuts you know he he's out of his videos he's he's crazy he's a strange guy but i'll tell you what he some of his concepts and his ideas are pure magic some of them it's weird how like the comics i think are great but his films though I saw American Ultra and it was so predictable. I was like, ah, oh, dude. Hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't. I saw uh, Chronicle was one? great. Chronicle was Yeah, excellent. Josh Trank was like, I banned him from the set. Yo, that Josh Trank lost his damn mind with Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you know, the crazy thing is there is, I guess, somewhere a Josh Trank cut, you know? I, Re- I don't know if there the is. the Trank cut. Well, I mean, like, they, I, I don't know. It's a good point. They might have just. Like, 
intervened. It was all studio mandate, and it was three different movies in one, and none of them knew what they wanted to be. I liked the beginning when yes. they were in the garage. I was like, oh, this yep. is great. Yep. And then like it was like this good wholesomeness, and then excuse me it just went to hell yeah they got into that body horror stuff and you're like oh, yeah, i dude. don't know why but we're the, doing clearly this. in the middle like you know they be, they get exposed to the it's their origin and then you miss everything and then you're just right in the middle of them yep that is the worst form of storytelling when you're like okay we can't film that or we can't have enough money to film that so we're just gonna skip right ahead yeah and well that was the extensive reshoots. I think Michael B. Jordan had three different styles of facial hair in that movie. Yeah, he really did. You hear you had a meeting with Warner Brothers about Superman? Yeah, I'm all about it. I think that um, he'd be he'd be great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he did a great job with Creed. I like those movies. Um, I haven't seen a thing that I've disliked him in. I still haven't got a chance to see Fahrenheit 451. I never saw that one. Yeah, it's on HBO. And... Um. Um, he he could do great things uh, for the role, and I don't think it, like there's so many different iterations of Superman. But I mean, what what's going on though with him is just so. I mean, he was supposed to be in the Shazam movie, and then you know, they did that cameo. Yeah, that's so bad. It was really not great. And and Shazam! Campbell, everybody loved Shazam. I thought it was fine. It's just weird. Like if you were like Henry Campbell can't comment on it. Warner Brothers doesn't say anything about it. Right. He's Earth's muddiest hero. Mm-hmm. He's an immigrant, and they say he's not relevant. It's like, come on. Well, did you see what Neil Gaiman said the other day? He tweeted about it. Yeah, I heard. I didn't read it, but I I, had seen the the tag. He just said he doesn't have to be relevant. He just has to be inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's the truest thing about Superman. There's some great books on Superman, too, that they just never pull from. That's one thing about, I mean, like, MCU kind of does it, and they, you know, do their own twist on it, but they've never just followed a comic from start to finish. Right. You know? Well, they they pulled some stuff from All Star Superman for Man of Steel, like one line. Yeah, um, they, yeah, it's but, um, in the church with the um, the priest, isn't that in? Uh... No, I was th- more thinking of the uh, the line from Jarrell as he was talking to to Cal about. Oh, I think I'm thinking of uh, Superman uh, Birthright. Yes, you're thinking Birthright now that yeah. Mm-hmm. So they pull Mark from Witt. it, but yeah, it's yeah, but um, All Star Superman is a perfect book oh yeah it's, it's great perfect book. My, my favorite um version of the okay so bruce or excuse me clark you know he has glasses i know it's you superman but i like the idea of superman being able to morph his body to you know to yep. change into like a, a little bit more obese like, like a hulking slouch. sort of doof mm-hmm. like there, there's like a great movie- scene when he's crossing the street yeah, and he yeah. like collides into three different people, and at the same time saves them all from being hit by a car. Yeah, it's, it's such a great moment, and like <laughs> that book though, they did make a cartoon out of it. You say they did or an animated film, I should say, not cartoon. Yep. But and they did an difference. okay job. They cut out a lot. They did. They do that a lot. Did you see the Killing Joke? I did not. Oh my god, dude! I went to Fathom Nights with it uh, to go. The guy that, that uh, lives here as well. Um, we went and the the book is completely butchered. They add forty minutes of their own story into it. Where is that the Batman Batgirl sex scene? Well, Barbara and Bruce have sex. He has sex with uh, Batgirl. I don't want to hear Kevin Conroy making sex sounds, man. And the reason for it, spoilers, is in Killing Joke. You know, uh, Commissioner Gordon's daughter is you know shot, and then you know it's never it's implied raped as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's. I don't know. That's the reason why they thought that they needed that. So, like, it meant more to Bruce. Like, he had to have a relationship with her. That doesn't make any sense. No. Can you imagine being in the writer's room for that? And like, <laughs> oh, this is good. This is good. This is the yeah. idea we want to we do. We need to have Batman care more about a yeah. person being brutalized. Like, that's what Batman does. That he slept with. Right. Like, that's not necessary. Shit like that sometimes. I'm just like, oh, my God. I mean, the choices. The MCU doesn't really make too many choices I can't agree with. A lot of people didn't like the fact that Peter was introduced through Tony. But I thought it was appropriate to get him in that fast. You sure. know what I mean? Like, sure. And we didn't need another Spider-Man origin movie. No, we didn't. And that, <laughs> that was great to the way they just went right into it. Yeah. You know? There's only so many times you can murder Uncle Ben. I know. It's so sad each time. <laughs> I know. You know? I remember when they... <laughs> in the Spider-Man 3, when they when they tie it back to the Ugh. Sandman being involved, Ugh. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> They retconned like, the what, guy's murder. Is, yeah, like retconning murders is not good. It's not a good. By move. the way, it was the Sandman, <laughs> but not really. 
It was like, we're just out of ideas and we need to make this somehow relevant to Peter's life. It's so bad. It's so bad. And like, it all it takes is just one moment in a movie like that that you have, you know, vested interest in to make you uh, cringe. I mean, I never forget Batman vs Superman just looking over at my dad and being like, "What the hell?" That wasn't a movie. The was... Snyder cut of this Justice League thing, I, I, dude, I, I'm so tired of reading about it. My interest in Google, I can't click off enough things to get this to be blocked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so it's... I'm constantly seeing it. And I'm just like, dude, now that you have photograph evidence that it exists, great. But you know what? I really don't give a shit because it's too late, dude. Yeah, it's, it's like Warner Brothers is going to release it and then be like, ooh, what'd you think of it on HBO Max or whatever? We're going to put another $300 million in to see if it works again. They're not. No, and Justice League was already horrible. They made billboards, okay? <laughs> they didn't make them actually, but they paid for them, okay? So, like, that's just, you know, there was, like, airplanes writing, release the Snyder Cut over uh, SDC. Like, I don't know. I can't imagine how anybody is going to think it's going to be anywhere close to better. I mean, like, what could be possibly different? I mean, first off, though, the Superman angle, I would like to see. Curiosity is just of that. I sure. wouldn't mind seeing 22 minutes of, like, deleted bo- uh, bonus <laughs> Superman scenes. Because, like, what... Like, here's the thing. From a writer's standpoint, this is what I was just like, what the hell, dude, is going on with this world when they're spending this much money on shit that should be perfect, dude? Right. You spent this much... You know what I mean? Like, he's 75 years old and you can't get this shit right. He's been around <laughs> 75 years. He should know his he's shit. He's not that hard to write. Ah, oh, God. It was just so bad. But, I mean, I lost my train of thought. I just got so so upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? Um, about uh, Superman's arc in the alleged Snyder Cut. As so yeah, okay. To, oh yes. From a thank you, thank you for because I just completely went blank with rage. <laughs> you have a problem, right? In the beginning of the film, he has the mustache. It looks like shit. We all know the story, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a mustache. What do we do? We bring him back from the dead, like they did in the books, with long hair and a beard. Done. He'll look similar to the guys playing in Witch, Witcher, but with dark hair and a fucking <laughs> fake beard. But instead, put $30 million into... Giving him a cartoon this, mouth. He looked like Errol Flynn, like his Robin Hood in the forest or some <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, we shall go. And to start the movie off that way. I know. It was the first thing you see. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, immediately. Immediately. I was like, it's been written. And, like, you know, there's really not much in the... There's, there's actually a few moments where you can see when the VFX has been... Re- like not, it's not there from the Snyder Cut, but it's very brief. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? And then like the fact that he never got a ch- he, like Henry Cavill was a good Superman. I didn't like have a problem with Man of Steel. I thought it was an okay movie. Yeah. I did think it was crazy at the end of they were destroying so much shit. Yeah. The nine eleven imagery was a little over the. Top. It was a little over the top, and that turned because up until that moment it was okay, okay, this is different. Yep. And then they get there, and it's like. Dude, like what? This is just a really heavy left turn. And then Warner Brothers is like, listen up, writers. We're going to fix that problem by putting Batman against Superman because Superman knocked down Batman's building. Like <laughs> what, dude? That's all you got? I never I never got the whole idea of it. Like oh, who would win, Batman or Superman? I'm like, man, they're friends. They've always been friends. Like, I mean, get over yeah, this. I mean, Technically, though, it would be Batman because he's got those kryptonite, kryptonite gloves in the future. That's true. Which would be great in the film, too, which uh, they didn't do. I mean, instead he had something to look like straight out Lord of the Rings with that yeah, battle axe staff. thing. They could have done something better than that. Come they could have done everything better. And uh, yeah, everything. everything, everything. It's it's just a waste. We shouldn't even talk about it. But I am looking forward to um, uh, the new film. Um, and I really hope that they don't make a sequel to The Joker. No. I think, right. like, as much as, like, it was so much fun to watch, yep. and I'll never forget being in the theater when, you know, the finale happens, and that just, like, shock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember just, I start laughing, like, it was weird that people were laughing during it, but yeah. you know what? The great thing is, it made over a billion dollars, and nobody got hurt. Right. It helped people understand yep. A little bit about themselves really and that's why i love the joker so much but i love the ending because it's implied that he could be crazy right and that's me man yeah i make up <laughs> batman stories all the time in yeah. my head you know what i mean joker <laughs> like sure 
and like the scenarios and stuff. And uh, I would like it if it was just some guy that was crazy in the mental institution who visualizes himself as the Joker, and that's his origin. Yep. Why not? Why not just leave it like leave that? It, we don't man. need a sequel to that. It was it was really good. I could watch Joaquin Phoenix dig a hole. Yeah, I uh, see he that has movie. Has he? Uh, what movie was he digging a hole in? <laughs> He's a good actor, though. I mean, like yeah. I just like the thing that's crazy was I never thought in a million years he would take on the role. Yeah. When they said that he was going to do it, I was like, what, dude? Because they went in for Doctor Strange in the worst way. And he picked up a bunch of Doctor Strange books in like a bunch of comic shops. And everybody was flipping out. Uh, I remember it. Yeah, um, I read the blogs and stuff. You know, And then was... he was like, I can't commit to like a nine movie deal. I want to do other things. I know. Like, I get that. I get and it, it. But, you know, like Mark, Mark Marflow being Bruce Banner was like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll bring myself into this role. Because I am Mark. <laughs> God, dude, it's a major grape of mine. I did like Professor Hulk, but I mean, like, you can't go nowhere now. He's got a bad arm. Mm-hmm. He's a mess. What well, I would got do, She Hulk coming. So She Hulk we'll would be great. But I mean, the one thing Immortal Hulk did do, I forgot to mention, was it brought back one of my favorite characters from the early '90s, and that was Joe Fixit. Yeah, I would like to see yeah. a Disney Plus series set in the early '90s at a Las Vegas. Hotel Casino, just based on Mr. Joe Fixit yeah. and his relationship with like the mafia, the It'd cartel, awesome. everything, and like it would be wild if you could just cast somebody that's human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no more CGI. Like yeah, it, CGI, you know, great, but Gray Hulk, he's the lesser version, so it would look <laughs> cool if you yeah. like made something practical. Yeah. Well, they don't do anything practical anymore. That's not true. They did Baby Yoda. That's true. Oh, only because Werner Herzog called them cowards. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird how that like tr- that trends. You know what I mean? Like the other day, that was everywhere. Yeah. And the whole thing, man. Like, uh, God, this holiday season, the end of the decade, will be forever known. The Christmas season that there was no baby Yodas for the kids. <laughs> they can't get to it. Are it's they not terrible. doing it? They, okay, so Disney didn't go into production in time. They're supposed to oh, arrive geez. in February of 2020. Oh, God. So they dropped the ball because I think, per se, that they were trying to make the streaming service so good. You know what I mean? Like, they needed to, like, put all their creative energy into that. But they dropped the ball on that, man. Like, a billion dollars in, like, toys. Like, That's, easily. Right. I mean, it's not like Disney needs more money, but I can't imagine they're thrilled that they missed out on it. Do you watch uh, The Mandalorian? I do. It's great. Oh, man. Fridays are great. It, Disney Plus has, has altered my life. Uh, it, it really is great. You watch the Imagineering story? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've my God. Seen, I've only seen episode one, and um, I'm looking forward to continuing the series. But, man, episode one really just it grabs your attention because it's just so brilliant. Yeah. You know, because you think of Walt Disney, anybody in this generation, really, you think of Walt Disney as something that it's existed forever, really, yep. you know, not some guy's ideas. Like the, the one piece of information that really had me going was, because I remember being a, a, a kid when I went there the first time when I was on Main Street, I was like, what is this place? <laughs> and then they tell you that he modeled it after his hometown. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah, now. it's it's a wild story. And it's so well done. Yeah, it is. It's good. And Disney it makes you knows... forget. It, it allows you to forget, I should say, you know, the fact that Disney is the largest media conglomerate on the planet. Oh, my God, yeah. Did you uh, ever think Disney would own Marvel? Um, I mean, I, like, I guess that at the time, I, 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 I couldn't even Star conceive Wars. of that. I never saw coming. I mean, how much he sold for? Four billion? I don't even know the numbers. I think I was more shocked when they bought Fox. It's like I forgot that they bought Fox. They bought Fox just. I, I, I would like to say that. just oh, to get wow. their Marvel characters back, but I, I don't think that's the no, case. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the. I, I would like, watch yeah, a movie. I, I watch a movie four. about that. Like guys oh. who are trying to get their characters back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think they've ever done anything like that, really. No. <laughs> like the show, like the guys that created Superman. I mean, that story. Oh, they made a couple documentaries about it, but I mean, that is just crazy. They never got the attention until the film's premiere, mm. which is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those guys got screwed sideways. Screwed. <laughs> like the biggest, like Superman, dude. Yeah. And you didn't. They, these guys were living in an apartment building. Yep. Like one of the one of the greatest creative. American Meanwhile, Bob things. Kane's like eating at like five star restaurants, driving around the Corvette, living it up. Yo, Bob. Don't come out tonight, you know? Talking <laughs> and, about and, Bob Finger, and, also the co-creator who got boxed out. 
But Bob, neither of them, like the, the that version of the character essentially isn't what the character is anymore. Yeah, truly, truly you know? is not. I mean, like it was Detective Comics for 26 issues before all of a sudden they're like, we're going to go with this. Yeah. And, you know, he he wasn't this no kill guy. He was he throwing had a gun. people off buildings. He had a gun and, back and, yeah, in the sure. Day. He had purple gloves too. He had which purple was gloves, shit. which Scott Snyder brought back for that one. It's funny you say arc. that because when I got issue number one by him signed at the Wizard World, yeah, I was like, "Yo, dude, I like the way you draw them purple gloves." And his <laughs> wife was like, "Oh my god, what did he say?" That was a great day. I learned my lesson too that day with the um, comics grade uh, authority. Like oh. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this book signed by Snyder, and then I'm gonna go over to the table and get it graded. It'll be my first graded book. Yeah. Get to the table, they're like, no, you have to have him sign it here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, he's right there. He's, what, what do you think? I just asked the first bald person I saw to sign this book. You know what I mean? Like, huh? They and need they, that much of a, a yeah. authentication. And the kid knows that Snyder's there. Right. He's just trying. He's wearing, to... a, he's wearing a fucking Batman shirt, dude. <laughs> And I was so angry, man. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I had a backpack full of books. I That was before I had a kid. I haven't been back, but I can't wait to take my son to see it. I mean, like, there's nothing quite like uh, a, a good con. I go every year, and I and I bring a fistful of money just to go through back issues of everything. <laughs> there was a period of time where I was just visiting every uh, flea market I could, and... Uh, a few places one in particular i would go quite to like maybe like once twice a month and they would have like uh like 1973 like ghost rider 4 like, like all nice. these like vintage issues like um I, I found the dark phoenix saga in like almost near mint condition both of them you know what and i sold them that uh the summer that days of the future past came out for a pretty penny, I almost, I bet yeah, you it was did. great. It was great, and uh, it was fun. It was so, like I was convinced that I would. I was like, at one point, I was like, wow, I could become a comic book dealer. This would be a great gig. I could do cons. You know what I mean? Like, because um, it's all about the hustle there, you know, and oh, like yeah. getting it out. But um, yeah, that's it. Just requires too much work. But I mean, I, I just love comics, though. Oh man, uh, Q Mart up in Quakertown used to have. Uh, they were in bad shape, but it sounds like a place that would have some oh, yeah. some gems. Like you, you like Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, early '90s stuff, in like that newspaper print, yeah. dusty ass smell. Yeah. Um, I love kind of, that smell, dude. It's so yeah. it's so disgusting. It's oh, probably, it's it probably causes cancer. And uh, I don't care. I, I mean, don't like, know what that smell is. It's like it's like paper, like mixed with like atmosphere, like or something. <laughs> just terrible smell. Human yeah. skin. Yeah, just. Everything that's in the atmosphere just goes right to the paper, unless yep. it's even if it's in a bag. But like, if especially if it's from the early seventies, I don't know what it is about the seventies paper, but like, God, it stinks sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes it smells like vinegar. Yeah, that has to be some kind An of horrible book. ink. Definitely, right? Yeah, I mean, there's things. Anytime I think about ink, I think about Kiss. But like, we're gonna put our blood in that motherfucking cup. Yo, that that was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard in my life. When I heard it, it was on Comic Book Men, I believe. I think that's when oh. I discovered it, and I was like, whoa. I read it and I read about that in uh, Marvel Comics, The Untold. Did story. you watch that show? Uh, no, I just uh, a comic book man. Mm -hmm. No, but I'm a huge Kevin it was a good Smith show. guy. Um, Did he ever show up for that? He would every episode. He oh, would nice. he would be there for the roundtable discussion at the end, nice. which where they would film like you know for an hour on Saturday. But it it was it was good. I pranked phone called there once and uh, really I got like an early bobcast. I um. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to hire the one character on the show. I mean, he's not a character. He's a real dude. His name's Ming. I tried to call him as this character. I used to be called South Thickest Big, and I wanted to, you know, order the Ming former. He dresses up like a robot for my daughter's birthday party, and he went with it on the air for a bit. And then I met him at Wizard World that following sun, sun, summer or whatever, and I introduced myself, and he's like, oh, it was you. <laughs> you can listen to it, folks, if you just Google Main former Bobcast. <laughs> but yeah, um, Kevin Smith uh, was just here in town. My friend went. He said that the show didn't get out till like 2 o'clock in the morning. He was what? so tired at work. We did two shows back to back yeah, for the screening for... of his film. But uh, I want to say it. You know, I'm a big I saw fan. I the, uh, the Fathom uh, launch the first night. Oh, was it good? Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. It was It was Jay and Silent Bob. You know yeah, what I mean? It was. It is, yeah. It's... It, I feel exactly how I felt about James. How was Val Kilmer in it? Um, he said nothing. Wow. He gave um, very deep looks. 
Oh, that was his thing? That was his thing. That's great. Um, but oh, that's right. He's playing. I, I got I to see it. They tied up Chasing Amy really nicely. Made me cry. That's good. Yeah. Chasing Amy is one of my favorite things ever. Oh, it's a great film. Ugh. It's a great film. Ugh. I think my favorite film of his, though, is the most unpredictable of all of them, and that's um, Red, Red State. I never saw Red State. Uh, Red State has nothing to do with comedy at all. Yeah. It's terrible and it's scary. And like he, I, I listened to a podcast once where he said, as a screenplay writer, I, I never know where I want to go. So with this one, I decided to just flip the script every page and just make every turn differently than you would think it would go. And it's a great horror movie. It's really? generally scary. It's scary. It's scary as shit. And it's got this ending that like, uh, it's, there's two different versions of the ending. And like he has this. You have to watch it and get back to me. I don't want to ruin it, but there's like this great, and it, the ending's wonderful. John Goodman's in it as well. He's okay. he's fantastic. Is Jason Mewes in that? No, no. This has nothing to do with excuse. This is like the one film he did, which which is about like a, a cult religious organization that sacrifices oh, people and That's like alone believe itself. in like. Um, do you remember when he was um, protested by the what are they called? They go to everything and protest outside movies. Oh, they did that for Dogma, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I, maybe I that can't. was his like call to them, to answer to them. But I don't know. People get... I, I, I can't imagine picketing something like that. Uh, no. I, I don't understand how people get mm-hmm. that riled up about something as simple as art. I know. Like, it's, come on. What are we doing? We should uh, talk about your art, man. Which which book did you write first? Uh, Good Grief was first. Is um, this your first published book ever? It is, yeah. What did it feel like when you had it in your hands? <clears throat> um, it was this indescribable sort of feeling of I, I'd done something. <laughs> um, uh, it was a, a hell of a thing. I don't even remember what I said. Or... It's very interesting that um, you're friends with Dan, right? I am. So it's cool that like... You guys both wrote novels that are like these, like amalgamations of things from your youth. Yeah, and that that book is certainly that. I mean, it was. Yeah. I guess it was. It, it might be a typical debut for a young writer writing very close to uh, the circumstances I was in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like not so much the story, but you know, suburbs, depressed, um, type of typical middle-class guy um but then i i just decided to ruin that guy's life and not my own it's good it's good to <laughs> yeah. do that it's good to write man i'm a screenplay writer so i know exactly what you're talking about it's just get it out onto the page is yep. so much better than if you have the gift of writing it's so much fun to do because it's very relaxing too and satisfying in a way it's, you like something yeah. i like in in i'm a teacher so in summers I go to a Barnes and Noble from about nine in the morning till noon, and I just write and, and drink my strawberry acai of refresher. Wow! Um, and, and that gets that—that's your drink. That's yeah. What's up? Yep. And typically, the North Wales guys up at that Barnes and Noble—they have it waiting for me. Oh, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah. I used to go to uh, Starbucks to write, and I had a spot. And then I get all angry when I go, and then somebody would be in my spot. There is nothing worse than that. I had a problem for a while where I couldn't write at home. I always felt like I had to go somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I did that for a while where I was always trying to um, find somewhere. But then I just realized, man, just doing it at home is so much more easier. Once I had a kid, there was no choice. You're right. <laughs> you know? But um, I tend to, uh, like, what's your writing process? Like, I tend to think about it in my head first before I put it in the paper. Yeah. Um, that's generally what I do. I, I have, so I finished a novel over the summer, a second draft of a second novel. Um, and that started as three other different ideas mm-hmm. that I started and stalled and started and stalled and started and installed. Um, and then when I figured out that what it wanted, what I wanted it to be and what it should be, I would go and I'd write 1500, 2000 words a day. Let's try and, punch it out and then take a couple hours off and then just reflect on what I wanted to do the next day yeah. where I wanted that to go the next day. And, you know, you have certain plot points that you know you have to reach, but everything in between you have yeah. to, you know, get that connective tissue, get that meat in there. Um, it's fun making that meat. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. 
I like the, the stuff ju- that counts. You know what I mean? The plot points are plot points, but the, yeah. you know the the strong connective tissues where all the good stuff is. I like to uh, draw it out sometimes on paper. Do you? Yeah, like I'll draw like a character in the middle, and then all the other characters are in the story, like in a scatter plot type thing. Yeah, you know, because I I, be- I do believe that like if you're gonna tell a story. Every single character in that story should relate to the main character. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Um, some some people don't do that, and it's very strange, like leaving open ends and stuff. You know. Yeah, believe it or not, I just I read the Andromeda Strain the other day. I just finished yeah. it. Um, there isn't a single thread that belongs to any of the characters that gets tied up in any in any way. No, and on purpose too, right? To be like, this is this is the way of. Yeah, I guess it was like that whole book was about how man can't control anything when it comes to stuff that we don't understand, and mm. and then everything sort of just ends. And I guess that's what he was going for. Have you ever read Infinite Jest? No. Do you know about oh, it? I do. I've tried. I'm trying. I should say. Yeah. Uh, I've. It's taken a really long time, but it. I it was turned on to it because I caught the film on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. You know, and I was yeah, like, oh, I gotta see this. Good. I gotta see this guy's work. You know, and I've never seen somebody write like that. Um, Jam packed I... paragraph about tennis, <laughs> and like you know, what I mean, like the rules and regulations of like who and what. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. You know what? I I kind of I'm gonna I might have to chalk that one up like I do Gravity's Rainbow, like a book that I have. Yeah, right. There's and always I try that one to book. read, and you try, yep. and you have like this like really bad feeling that you're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the last time I picked up Gravity's Rainbow, I was like, I'm doing it. What's Page the best book you've read recently? The best book? Mm-hmm. Um, I loved you more by Tom Spanbauer. What's it about? Um, it's sort of his fictional autobiography. He calls uh-huh. it a novel, but it's uh, very closely related to his own experience in. Um, moving to New York from Idaho. Oh, that's cool. Um, a gay man in New York navigating that culture in the late 70s and 80s and um, eventually contracting HIV and moving to Portland. And, and it's essentially this love triangle between him and a woman from New York and a man from New York and who mm-hmm. those two eventually fall in love with each other. And he's alone with this horrible diagnosis wow um and it's 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 beautiful and sad and um very it it is not an easy or a quick read but it's not infinite jest in any way it's 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 not a quick read because it gets he digs into the guts of a person it's good when that happens oh yeah and it's it's totally brilliant it came out in 2014 um and tom spanbauer taught Chuck Palahniuk, how to write Chelsea Kane, if you've ever read her stuff. Like he, I've heard of her, yeah. Um, this, this guy is a great that no one's heard of. I recently caught Fight Club on HBO's giving us a free preview, and uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it since I was like 19, in yeah. 1999. And uh, I had read the book, and uh, you know I was excited for the film, and it's weird, like when I was 19, I thought I understood it. I still don't understand it, but I get a better idea of it now at yeah. 39, you know, 20 years later. But it's just such a crazy thing. And like I watched recently, uh, rewatched him on Rogan and he talks about how like, you know, how his process was and how he was like, you have a father and then you have a secondary father. And then, you know, like <laughs> that's the father you want to go with. You know, you yeah. become an apprentice. I, I love uh, getting to know the writer, too. It's fun. Yeah, I, I actually wrote Chuck Palahniuk a, uh, a fan letter in 2006, mm-hmm. and he wrote back, and he I asked for a recommendation list of books, mm-hmm. and he gave me one, and I've read most of those from that Did list. you frame it? Uh, I haven't framed it, but I have it in this little box that he sent it in, because he sent a whole bunch of other weird, weird oh, shit. Oh, that's cool. Like, I told him I was in college, so he sent me, like, a, an elastic book sock signed. That's the shit. Um, yeah, the, what, a, what a cool guy to do that's great. that for a fan. Um, I'm hoping that they make Survivor into a miniseries. Yes, I, well, they, they've been talking about that for. Like, I know, like you know, it'd be great. Like 22, you ever see End of the Effing World on Netflix? They do like 22 minute. I haven't watched that one. It's good. It's very good. It's okay. it's a British sh- uh, show, I believe, and uh, they they nail it. The writing on it is fantastic. It's unpredictable. It's a love story. I've, I've raved about it on here before, but um, 
22 minutes is like short in some people's eyes but if you tell a story like that over like eight episodes 22 minutes each and like make it stylized and put a lot into it you know not just like ah, let's just get coverage on them you know what i mean like that's what watchmen reminds me of the watchmen is crazy but well, everybody's complaining about the length of the Mandalorian episodes. I'm like, dude, those are complete episodes. Like, they're complete stories. I would rather see something that's 36 minutes that's that amazing. Yeah. And, and, like, also the thing that he does so well in that is the story is so easy that my son can get it, who's four, yep. and everybody gets something out of it. And that's what really drew me to Star Wars in the first place. You know, like, when I saw it as a kid. I got to be honest, the, the Phantom Menace, like I, when that came out, I saw it twice. And I saw it twice because I wanted to make sure that it was good the second time. And the second time I was like, oh, man, this yeah. is not, you know, this is <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm watching all of them leading up to the Rise of Skywalker. And I've only made it up to Attack of the Clones. And let me tell you. Attack of the Clones is worse than Phantom Menace. <laughs> Attack of the Clones is like somebody got a blue screen and they're like, yo, we're going to get a couple cases of beer. Come on over. Il McGregor's going to be at the party. I got these sweet lava rocks. Like, oh, God. I hope that they, he give, like, they give that. And also, too, like, come on. You got a great villain as Darth Maul and you kill him immediately. Yep. And you have a minute for six minutes. <laughs> is that the total? I don't know. Assistant's gone again, but you know what? Like, damn it, dude. He's not in it that long. I'm like the first time you see him, you're like, oh my God, this is chilling. And then he yeah. just goes away. Yep. And then when he dies, he gets split in half. Like, you know. Yeah. I was such a nerd as a kid. I read the, the novelization before the movie came oh, out. I used to do that shit. And then I get pissed off. I was ruined it. so mad that they killed Darth Maul. I was like, maybe it's a mistake. Yeah. Maybe they don't kill him in the movie. Oh God. And then you had to relive it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the worst when you gotta relive trauma twice it was the and you're worst. like damn it dude hated it speaking of twice this is your second book this is this this distance <laughs> yes and this is a collection of short stories by you yep uh every uh, most of the stories that i got published between 2014 and 2018 are in that um with a theme of you know, this distance relates to this idea that uh, most of the characters in there are lonely mm-hmm. and they try and reach out and they try and connect and fail to or succeed or choose not to. Um, but there's everything from domestic fiction to light science fiction in there, um, all with that central core of really lonely people just trying to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> Lonely people. It's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of lonely people out there. Oh, sure. I remember when the Joker came out, they were like, we're going to tell you about the incels. <laughs> and like, God, man, what's wrong with our culture where we just can't enjoy a movie anymore? We got to be like, listen here, this is what's wrong with everything. Well, you, do you know what? Feel, do you feel as a writer that you're you're getting out your 100% whole truth in your novels, novels? Or do you feel as if you still feel like the Allen mm-hmm. Ginsberg deep down inside you is screaming to be like, listen up. You know what? That I've never been asked that question and I thought about it before. I don't feel like I am able or maybe even capable of getting it all out. Why? What, what do we got to do? We could do it right now. We can get it out of you. I mean, <laughs> I everybody's know. listening. I mean, like if you think about it though, that, okay, so like if you could think about that and become, become that mantra for, you know, the next 30 days. Yeah gestate something that is so wrong you know who did that well he didn't really do that but i think he got inspired by a book and then was like i'm making a movie it was uh tom ford the designer did you ever see nocturnal animals no like the book like you know is based on it but i mean like sometimes you just got to tell your raw truth whatever that is and i'm still struggling to do that myself i'm trying i'm attempting to write a screenplay that i wrote in 2000 uh, 12 mm-hmm. over again now at the end of the decade that I put away for a long time. I won uh, an award for it and everything and it just never went anywhere. <laughs> but um, that's what, what writing is, is rewriting. Yep. Oh, 100%. You know, and a lot of people sure. are like, ah, I'm done. They're like you never give up. No. Well, you know, getting to that truth is, is an act of courage. Isn't it very true? Okay, so when you're writing, do you ever feel like this is, it's bullshit. It's like deleted. Like, well, you know, like, sure. Uh, when, sure. When you get to a point where you're just not telling the truth, it's weird. Well, there's a, there's, 
the novel I finished over the summer, the, the protagonist um, suffers with, you know, suicidal ideation and she's attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. And to get in that space was asking myself, what would that take for me? Yeah. And that frightened me. But I was able to get it on the page. It's, um, it's great when that happens. Sure. But it, it's one of those things was like, uh, holy God, I've, this is a door that I've opened. Yeah. It's good to open that door. I, I like Chuck must have walked through that door. Like when he was like <laughs> first starting out to be that far out there with his, you know, Oh, the, well, his, his stuff is, it's very, you know, it's weird how every other generation, like there's like a clockwork orange in a way where there's a book that disrupts the balance of like being <laughs> like, human in a way and yeah. being a male writer i guess well or i mean writers club. are tortured oh for sure tortured uh, without a doubt well i don't want to self sound self-aggrandizing or, or whatever but like no I, I have i have things that i want to say and i want to get out and i don't want to say them without that i don't know blanket of fiction yeah you know what i mean and and I can do what I want with fiction, you know what I mean? I can get those themes out and tell stories that never have happened. But at the same time, the core truth is that most of the things that I write about are loneliness because I've felt loneliness and I kind of learned to appreciate it mm-hmm. and enjoy it in a way. Were you but an only child? I was. Yeah. Yeah. But like even... But now that loneliness is, you know, I have a wife, I have a dog, family, all that kind of good stuff. So like, it's mm-hmm. a manufactured loneliness. It's a, it's an it's an aloneness that I choose to view as loneliness to feel that. So yeah. in another way, it, in that way, it's not authentic, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, that's pretty authentic, though. Yeah. Because you really like when you pain brings about inspiration in such a weird way. This like really what defines the difference between us and the animals is that we can conjure shit from something that's really bad. That's good. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And that's like the best part like of being a writer. And like, I always get so frustrated for like, like um, young writers where you're like, Oh, it's crap. I'm done. (laughs) You know? And they throw it out and they're just like, that's it. You know? And like, you gotta take it easy. So I'm thinking about, you know, if it's good or not, I mean, just get something done, you know? Well, that's the thing that I don't think anybody likes to accept. Uh, the, the, when you write it, it's going to be bad. When's it, when's it over? Right. When's right. it over? I mean, for a, a book, I, I, I've only done screenplays and they're always being rewritten yep. until like they're made. But with the book, it's, it's done. It's here on the table. Yeah. And I can tell you now, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Affair? No, I gotta write these books down, these these shows down for you. Yeah, you sure do. As a writer. So the affair is about this acclaimed writer named Noah Soloway, that uh, goes on vacation with his family to this island. He feels very alone because his wife doesn't love him as much, and he falls in love with this waitress, and he has this affair that lasts for like you know, literally like the ages in this series. It's amazing. Oh, but it's the best version of a writer I've ever seen in a TV show. Hmm. <laughs> He's great. He's nuts. <laughs> He's totally nuts. <laughs> the choices he makes are just terrible. <laughs> and uh, it, I found it so much realistic. I remember watching Californication and being like, this is David Duchovny portraying David Duchovny, not right. like a real writer, you know, who's tortured, you know. You know what? The <laughs> the the worst writers I've ever seen put to the screen are in uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, these guys pr- are just like, I have to go somewhere and write. They purposely are put to that, though, right? They're like, look, oh, we're going to hit sure. these plot points oh, and we're going to hit them good. Oh, there's a formula in those things, man. It's oh, yeah. genius. I should try to write one of them. You know what? Yeah. Just give me a great idea. <laughs> I've always been striving to be so artistic. Maybe I should just go right for the Hallmark. Listen, go straight for the money. <laughs> it, it is there. There, oh, is a, there is an audience for those films, though. My mother-in-law, she really enjoyed those films because oh, yeah. she loved crying and like she loved the, the heartstrings and apparently DJ from Full House is like the star of that channel or something. Yeah, though, she's right? in all of them. I never saw that for DJ. I always thought DJ was the punk rock chick with the <laughs> hairspray in her hair. I never thought that she'd be like, my brother is an alien with Jesus. You know, <laughs> oh, we got these books. Yep. 
we want you to read these books and come find us at Jesus's club. Yeah, well, Kirk is, whoo, man. Oh, God, dude. And yeah, what was his name on uh, growing up? Uh, Mike Seaver. Mike Seaver. Yeah, Mike Seaver. Seaver. How do you spell Seaver, by the way? S E A. I would assume S E A V E R. Ah, oh, I love that. His kitchen. best friend's name was Boner. Boner. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Boner? That was good. That, like, that would never fly on network today. No, no. Boner used to love his jacket that was cut off. He had a jean jacket with his <laughs> sleeves off. What was. was? Oh, Charles in Charge is the other guy I was thinking. His name was Buddy. Right. And Buddy was a, you know, Charles and an Charles. idiot. Those shows, man. It's they weird how things that we watched as a kid would never fly today because of, oh. you know, the Half the jokes on Full House can't fly. Apparently it's still on. Fuller House is now wrapping up after five seasons. I remember watching it when it came back and be like, God damn it, dude. They ruined it all, dude. <laughs> they ruined it. See, I thought the first season they, they leaned into the fact that they were doing something absurd. It just pissed me off, dude, because it, it was just so, like, not what it could have been. Well, like, I thought Netflix, oh, man, they're going to do it. Like, it could be, like, you know, multiple camera, like, different, you know, not the same look. And, like, I don't know, something about it was just very stale. Well, you know what else it was? It, it, like, I always felt like, even, did you watch Girl Meets World? No. So, I did, because Boy Meets World was, like, yeah. my favorite thing on Earth. Um, the... The acting in Fuller House and Girl Meets World is these rebooted shows mm-hmm. just became like, I don't know if it was just my perspective, but they were cartoon characters. Yes. Like they act, they overacted everything. And everything, it just yeah. was like, why are we doing this? Like, you guys know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> why are you doing it like this? <laughs> uh, so bad. Just so bad. Yeah. I some of it though like as a kid like there's one show that if they brought it back like I, I'd be right on board as Perfect Strangers did you ever oh, see that? yeah oh, my I was singing the theme song to myself everywhere you go everywhere. <laughs> oh that's Full House uh, oh yeah, yeah wait, Perfect no. Strangers was Nothing's standing tall <laughs> on the wings of my dreams <laughs> such a great great intro so uh, I'd never forget watching that as a kid oh. and I, there was a moment in time but this show in particular that I must have been very young, but like I remember having my first like hysterical laughing fit and it's the scene where they're trying to fix their girlfriend's bathroom and they mess up all the piping and the plumbing's going wild coming out of all the, you know, the drains and Balky sits on the toilet and the water's hitting him in his ass and he makes this face. I have never laughed so hard in my life. And recently I found out it was on Hulu and I rewatched it. <laughs> I got stoned and I watched it and I laughed again, man. It was great. <laughs> that show was essentially one long immigration joke. <laughs> oh my God, it was really. Hey, now we will do the dance of joy. <laughs> we are from Mipos. How do you even spell Mipos? Dude? I don't know. But I don't um, know. it was so funny. Those shows that were written for a specific formula. Now it's just crazy. There's so many different styles. But um, I am looking forward to reading these books. I hope you enjoy them. Oh. Uh, I'm going to give one. I'm going to give one to my wife. I'm going to give one to me, and then we're going to switch. That's what we do, <laughs> nice. and then we talk about it. Can I make like a like a brief yeah. announcement? Yeah. So, my third book just got picked up last night. Congratulations, dude. Thank you very much. It's the first on the Bobcast. <laughs> cue, cue the cheerleaders, bringing them in. Yeah. The whistles are going to blow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last night, uh, it's a collaboration with a local poet named Francis That's a great Camargo. name. Um, uh, I'm sorry? That's a great name. What's the name? Would you say, oh, I thought the name of the book was Last Night. You said Last Night. I'm no, sorry. no, no. Sorry. What's, what's the name of it? Uh, it's called With a Difference. That's a great name, too. Uh, it's from Hamlet. I did not choose that one. Fran, the poet. From that I'm collaborating with did. Oh, cool. Um, but it's a split. Uh, it's a cover split. I adapted his poems into short stories. Oh, very and cool. He adapted my stories into poems. So it's this unique thing, short, sweet, coming out with from Trident Press in May. That's congratulations. Man. Thank you. <laughs> you weren't seeking your truth. You're doing a good job, <laughs> hitting on all four cylinders. You know. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to have you back here on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. I'm going to put a link down below where everybody can check you out and get your stuff. Great. Thank you. This and, is a real uh, treat. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, I, Dan and I worked together in 2000. I hadn't seen him in pff, 
18, 19 years, maybe, you know? Did I hear in the the last episode you guys worked at the mall together? We did. Plymouth yes. meeting? We worked at this place called Voice Effects where we had to listen to people call in how they spell their names on credit cards. And let me tell you, that's what you would hear, you know, and like you couldn't hear exactly what was going on. I got a bad rating and I got fired, but Dan stayed on. But that's another story here on the Bobcast. Uh, Nick, I really appreciate you coming in. Thanks, Bob. All right, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>